Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. This is show number 322. Um, how we got there, who knows? Go and listen to the back catalogue. It'd be lots of fun and we'll see you in about three years time. <laughs> With me this evening, sadly not quite the full team, but we do have Claire and Christian. Claire, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, busy. Um busy working on my project and getting a bit stressed because so the next month I'll be doing a lot and lot of shooting um on the evenings when the weather is good <laughs> so I can definitely get everything I need so busy with that yeah that's um, does sound exciting um does it yeah. mean that sadly you may not be as present as you we would love you to be over the next it depends or so? I, I have to see I mean it depends it, I mean if like a weekend and it was all really good weather and I could get three a Friday night a Saturday night and a Sunday night in I'm going to gain ground but I'm just at the mercy of the weather so I have to keep looking when when's the what nights are going to be not wet really yeah the and the weather's been very changeable this week this certainly has here anyway so yeah yeah uh, hopefully Same it'll here. settle down Same. for you yeah so doing that really for Revelat in in uh in June yeah that is very exciting though that, that's your big project for this year isn't that's it that's my so big it's... project yeah so yeah, I'm enjoying it though so you know I'll just have to knuckle down so it'll be an intense month and um I was looking then at what's on in like London in particular oh, right. What kind of good to distract you <laughs> to distract me afterwards, maybe. But there's some good things on, but I, I'll probably miss. Um, there's the David Hockney, there's a David Hockney exhibition on at the moment, and I think it's quite a new venue called Lightroom. And uh, okay. I love, I uh, yeah, his paintings, his pool series has inspired my pictures actually. So he's got, it's, he's got a new exhibition on if you're in London. And um, but it's only I think until the end of April, so I definitely will will miss that. Excuse me. Yeah. And um, but what I'm super excited for in May, um, there's a Dario Argento se- season. Excuse me, in the BFI on the South Banks. So again, you know, because I love his films, um, I love the look of them and everything. So that'll be worth going to if you're in if you're in London. Uh, that's tempting actually you'll have to give me the dates for that because the 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 uh, the bfi is is walking distance from the railway station i go into london in so it's it's about five minutes walk from waterloo station so that's very very easy for me to get to oh you you should because they have seasons on all the time really good seasons i think at the moment they've got one outsiders and exiles always really good films so you should check out definitely see what's on there i should yes you're right i haven't thought about the bfi for a long time Mm, interesting Mm -hmm. interesting and christian how are you you're Mm -hmm. back in back on home turf this week yeah back on home turf reunited with my mandolin but uh, parted with good weather with excellent food with free cocktails oh my goodness now i'm just depressed no it's fine it's good to be it's all right if if you get them from like if you get the ingredients from the supermarket and you know then you can make a cocktail and pretend it's free it's free at the point of consumption Uh, it sounds like i drink alcohol a lot which i don't uh which is uh, even more fun if we you make that you make it sound like drinking alcohol is a bad thing (laughs) it is kids leave your hands off alcohol it's not good for you no, no, I'm not I'm sure how many children listen to this podcast, but that's a very good point. If there's yeah, anybody underage, it shouldn't be for drinking. You, and so aren't drugs. And uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm currently uh, thinking about um, uh, doing something that I uh, was inspired by John Michael Mendeza to do. He he stuffed um, Instax film into uh, 
what was it? The uh, RZ67 or something? Oh, I can't not... remember. You're testing me now. Yes, it was a big camera of some sort. A big camera. And, and I, I have this fantasy of um, using Instax Square Film in uh, one of my TLRs, and it's going to be a huge pain to, you know, unload uh, in a dark bag, load the camera. But I'm I'm sort of feeling adventurous. And uh, yeah, that's yeah, what good I'm for probably you. going to try this week. Yeah. Mm. Good for you. That does, that does sound like fun. Yeah, um, we we'll see. Let's see if the sweaty hands uh, will spoil it. Mm. I'm not sure. And yeah, because I've never done that actually. We never can never had a camera that does it. But I wouldn't even know how to take a piece a sheet of film out of a, a pack, it, especially uh, in the dark. Like, would you have, will you have to sort of sacrifice a, a pack to the learning no, process? No, I don't. I don't think so because the pack, the ten that ten exposure pack, basically comes in this you know this, this black box and it has a cover sheet and all the camera does is basically push the cover sheet out and instax film is um exposed from the back other than mm, polaroid yes. film which mm. is just exposed from the front so um my guess is i haven't tried this is just a theory which will be tested this week probably uh, my guess is you just push out the film and uh, the sheet and put it well, in my uh, case, in, in a TLR, shoot it. And then you need to get it back into the uh, cartridge, put it into the camera, expose, no, not expose, just, you know, cover the lens, uh, but uh, uh, take a shot because the camera needs to uh, push it uh, through the, um, what's it called? The, the rollers. The rollers <laughs> to, yeah, start the development mm. process. And then hopefully there will be something to see. I don't know. So has yeah. he got? Has he got some type of specialist back that he's fitted to his camera? Uh, I, if I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think yeah. he just uh, did it as I described it. Um, he just, mm. you know, used was it was it Instax? I'm not entirely sure if it if it maybe he used Polaroid even. I'm not sure, but no, I think it's it was. No, I'm just looking. I'm just reading back on our Discord post where for, in, this is in, this of course is for chair Apple and hat or Apple chair hat or whatever yeah. it's called. Okay. Um, yeah. And John Michael wrote in the Discord. He said, uh, "So in the end, these frames were loaded one at a time into the Pentax Six Seven. Oh, wow, uh, right. So exposed using a Pentax Six Seven, which is a roll film, uh, a one twenty roll film SLR yeah. camera. Exactly. So." Uh, where the film rolls sideways, doesn't it? Not up down. So you must have yeah, just put so. it in the right place and then and then open the shutter to expose it. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, have have fun with it. So uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's um, some interesting stuff going on there. Um, this week, uh, our conversation is about traveling. Uh, particularly traveling, I suppose, for yeah, you know, with cameras and and to take photos and, and things like that. But I suppose yeah, um, the I suppose we could talk about other things. But this is a photography podcast, right? So <laughs> it'd possibly be better to talk on photography stuff. Um, I think inspired partly by Christian because you came up with the idea, partly because you've just been traveling. So um, and then it got that got me thinking that you know uh, spring has sprung, as they say. Uh, at least if you live in the northern hemisphere um, or in the right part of the northern hemisphere in some places it still feels a little bit wintry I'm sure but um, here in the UK it is mostly trying to be a bit springy um, mm. it's a bit sort of one step forward two steps back with the weather <laughs> but, yeah um, 
Uh, is it springtime in Germany, Christian? Uh, it depends. In the mountains, it's trying to be springy, but uh, yeah, most places you can see that uh, things are starting to bloom. Um, yeah, not bloom, but starting to uh, mm. get green and, and yeah. Yeah, I guess like, a bit like the UK, Germany is quite a tall country, isn't it, from top to bottom? So do yeah. you have noticeable climate differences from the north to the south? Yeah, de definitely. Uh, so, um, um, especially to the west, where it's usually uh, uh, where where I grew up. Um, when you go from the Harz Mountains to the west, to the west, you can really see that nature is like a few weeks ahead there. Ah, and, okay. Uh, yeah, but I I'm not entirely sure. I don't travel to the south that often often, but I suppose that uh, there will be differences as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. interesting very interesting yeah. interesting well okay so the idea so anyway the the basic premise of today's conversation is that uh, it's a sort of time of year where people start to think about traveling make plans whether it's for you know for for the the near term or whether it's for you know maybe the summer or something like that and of course being avid photographers we all get uh, around to thinking rather than about clothes or about what wash kit we need to take or you know camping equipment we get to talk we get to think more about f photographs and photographs we want to take and therefore camera equipment that we need and film that we need and all that sort of stuff so uh, some of us like to travel light uh, i know i do uh, others perhaps like to be better prepared uh yeah the let's should we just talk about cameras we like to travel with would that I be think, a good I place think, to start? I think the basic premise is you go from A to B, you stay at B for a while and then go back to A. And the question is, how much gear do you want to haul from A to B? <laughs> and uh, uh, do you want to haul a lot of gear? If yes, how do you haul it? If no, what will you take if you have to leave most of your stuff at home? I think that's the that's the that's the basic question isn't it because I've, I've done both i've hauled like my almost my whole camera collection to the the peak district once for example and then was just overwhelmed by choice but i managed to shoot most of my cameras you know little folding cameras with uh, um, a six by nine um a format and and uh, but i also went to uh, southern tyro with just uh an Olympus RC, uh, what's it, uh, a 35RC, and it was one of the best holidays. So the the question is, uh, I think before traveling, the question is, what do you want to do? Do you want to um, mainly shoot film, or do you want to document stuff on film, but not having it the or not not mm, it not being the main thing, the main theme of your travel. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So if you're traveling and you, yeah, yes, and it's not necessarily a, a, a pro photography is not the priority. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And I think also uh, what uh, film shooters never uh, uh, have uh, and may, may never neglect is what do you do after the travel? Because you have tons of film that needs to de be developed. And I, I think there are um, a number of tricks that you can do to ease the pain of having to develop a lot of stuff afterwards. And yeah, we should. Yeah, you can send them to well. a lab. <laughs> you <laughs> could, but you could also do it yourself, Adrian. Uh, not going to happen here, yeah, sadly. I know. No. I know. I'm just uh, pulling your leg. I know. I know. 
So, yeah, that's a good point. So the, there's the planning bit. There's the thinking it through. Do you, uh, Eclair, when you're planning a trip, mm. you know, because, I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, of the three of us, uh, probably fair to say that your work is the most thought through up front, right? So you do more pre-production work than, than yeah. certainly than I do anyway. Yeah. Um, does that mean that when you're traveling, you've got a really strong idea of everything that you need and, and you know, what it is that you're going to produce when you get there and things like that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. So that before I go, um, I've usually of uh, researched the area, researched where I'm staying, or selected where I'm staying because it's I like the I like something about it. So then that's it. I plan everything in advance. So then I have I'm list I I'm a list person anyway. <laughs> I love lists, <laughs> numbers and lists. I don't know. Anyway, so I make lists. So I always have. Um, well, not always, but mostly, I will have quite a big, ruck, uh, big rucksack, quite a big suitcase. Um, well, it's not the biggest, I suppose you can get. I think it's it's debatable, it's subjective, isn't it? Whether you're travelling light or heavy, but it's a tw- twenty-three kilogram, you know. No more uh, okay, yeah, the sort of the sort of in the big, hold, bigger yeah. size you take on in the hold on an aeroplane. In the hold, so I have that in the hold, and then I have a rucksack with me and um for the cabin or sometimes i'll have um a rucksack in the cabin a small i have done it before but i wouldn't do it again i've had two like a big suitcase in the hold then a smaller wheeled suitcase in the in the in the cabin and a, a rucksack so but what i'll do is i'll have three piles so i've got all the camera all the camera stuff i need to take Mm-hmm. So I write that down. So I'll always have tripod, lighting, um, any cameras I'll take, which is usually one or two Polaroid cameras and a 35mm camera. Sometimes I've had a moving film camera on top of that, like a Super 8 or something. They will always, always be in the in my rucksack. And yeah, you don't want to lose, risk losing yeah, those or getting damaged, I never, do you? I, never yeah. put, I will never put a camera... Yeah. I have to do it once. I put a thirty-five mil camera into my into my on the way back, but usually I will never put any of my cameras in the hold ever. So it's they a will huge come. Risk. Yeah, yeah, it is because have you seen? Because people just and if you do have to, then I would really wrap it up and get bubble wrap or something, wrap it in jumpers. So all my cameras with me in my rucksack, all the film I'm going to shoot in my rucksack. So it's usually my rucksack is usually as it goes, it's packed with it's basically cameras and film. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I've got a um, another, if I had another thing with me, like a little wheelie thing, um, in the cabin with me as well, that would probably have more any film left over and any 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 tripods. But so usually it's tripod lighting in my big case, and then I have to split. I've got two things to think about. I've got to think about all the the outfits I need for my photos and any props I might need. And I will prioritize them if it, if I'm going away. And then I think about my day clothes that I need, but I, I've got, it's, it's, it's a thing. And then I'll, I'll really think hard. Do I really need this? Do I really need this? And then I'll, I'll whittle it down like that. But I have been in situations like when I think back to 2019, which was the first time I went to Arles, I flew to Nice first because I thought, Oh, I'll have a bit of a, I'll have a few days on the um, on the south coast and on the French Riviera, and I'll do a bit of sightseeing and I'll take some pictures. So I'd planned, and so I've had. I think then I had did have like I think a couple of cases in my rucksack, and um, it, it was heavy. 
And the hotel I was staying, I decided when I was in Nice that I, I booked a night at another hotel right across the city and then wheel this heavy suitcase Oh, no, across no, the no, city no. in the middle of this hot sun. I know I've done, I've had to do lots of things like <laughs> got to my next shooting destination covered with sweat, then wheeled it back. And then in, I don't know if, if you know, but France doesn't seem to ever have any lifts in their train stations. Okay. And, and so I had to get, when I went to go to Marseille, Um, sorry, when I went to, from Nice to Marseille first and then Marseille to Arles, the Nice to Marseille, it was there was no lift and I had to go down all these steps and luckily someone helped me with Oh, this wow. massive case. Um, and I've done it. I've arrived last year. I arrived in Arles with a massive suitcase and I was dragging it from the train because if you know Arles, it's really hard. It's it's a beautiful place, but um, it's really difficult to get a taxi <laughs> and it's quite small you can walk anyway so even it's not far to walk from the station to where i was staying but it's feels it when you've got massive case I'm sure and it's it does, really
you know, opens from the back so that I can put it down. And mm -hmm. even if the, you know, if, if, if it's on the forest track or something, uh, I don't look like a pig afterwards and just you know, <laughs> can pick it up and put it on my back. And, and, and if you, I have a little bit back, a um, little bit of back problems and, um, I find it very important if I need to haul a lot of gear that it's comfortable and, and yeah. easy to do. Uh, mm. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. Mm. I, I, I have a, a weight limit, you know, a very, a very low weight limit that I will carry over one shoulder in just like a normal shoulder bag or something yeah. like that. If, That's if a huge get, problem, isn't it? If yeah. I get to, I, I'm very lucky in, in that I don't have a bad back, but I come from a, you know, a line, yeah. my, my paternal line, um, you know, my, my dad has a bad back and has had since he was way younger than I am now. My granddad had a bad back. Um, uh, so, you know, I'm, I suspect his dad did too, but never knew him. Um, but the, uh, so I've always been quite careful and I definitely am aware that if I stand still for too long, I get really, really um, stiff. My back gets stiff very, very quickly. Uh, and if I, if I carry a weight over one shoulder for too long, yeah. that's, that's a, an issue as well. So I, I'm, I'm different, but I, but I also hate backpacks. I hate rucksacks. Mm. I hate wearing things on my back. It just, it, it just, it, I just don't enjoy it. So um, I will do it. I have, and I have some. Don't get me wrong. I love a good camera bag, right? And, uh, you know, so I have. You know, for packing on the plane, I have a, a rucksack, a backpack. It's a Manfrotto one, so it's designed for for camera gear, but it's exactly the right shape to go just under the seat in front of you, so it fits the smallest to carry ons, but but makes it the most of that. And half of it is all padded out. The bottom half of it is all padded out for cameras. And then the top half of it is just a few more pockets and other things. So it's actually a really good oh, one for, for traveling yeah. with, as long as you yeah. don't want to carry too much stuff. I mean, in yeah. the past, I fitted, you know, a couple of 35 millimeter SLRs, two or three lenses associated with that, bunches of 35, you know, loads mm. of 35 mil film um, into the bottom half of it. And then in the top half of it, you can have things like straps and, and other bits and bobs that you need um uh you know and and stuff like that but yeah. um it is it yeah i i very much prefer I very much prefer to travel light if i can that mm. that's my thing so totally with you claire that it's a luxury but um yeah. i i work really hard on that i i i'm mm. the person is i i know what I, I know i i will think ahead of what i'd like to what photos i'd like to take and to make and what, mm. what i'd like to achieve and then I will try my damnedest to find the smallest configuration of kit that will let me get there. <laughs> yeah, it is nice. Although, but sometimes it's not possible for me. Although when I see, I'm still compared to some people at the airport, obviously <laughs> traveling quite light, but it's still sometimes I know once I get the other side, but there's things I'll do to minimize the pain, um, you know, like the other end. Sometimes I just cannot get on public transport, for instance, because I've got too much stuff. So I'll get if I'm staying somewhere, I'll get just get a taxi or something straight to the where I'm staying. But sometimes that's not possible. But I just sometimes just think, oh well, short term pain yeah. is all for a bit of, for long term gain. I'll I'll put up with it. <laughs> you know, but the thing is uh, that you said earlier that sometimes you feel like you miss. Yes. Certain piece of mm. gear and equipment. I, for example, think it frees me a lot if I don't take much gear. Of mm. course, I do 
completely different type of photography yeah. compared to what you do. Yeah. So I really understand from uh, where where your uh, your thought comes from. Mm -hmm. um, I, um, I, 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 for example, it took me a long time to figure out that uh, when I go to a city, for example, there are only two um, focal lengths that I really need yeah. in a city. Yeah. And, and uh, this, you know, reducing the amount of choice gives me a lot of freedom because it, it helps me to concentrate on what I see instead of, oh, what piece of, uh, you know, uh, yeah. gear do you want to use that now? So I, um, um, the, the only zine that I uh, published, uh, I shot with uh, the Canon F1 and just a 35 mil and an 85 mil. Mm. I was going to ask what are those focal lengths are thirty five yeah. and an eighty five. That's and interesting. 85. And 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 to this day on my uh, uh, digital Fuji gear, I I just use the twenty three and the fifty six, which is which roughly same, the same thing. Yeah, that's and, really cause, uh, so. So you've got a you've got a longer throw than I have then, because when I travel, uh, or when, actually not even when I travel, my preference is for a twenty four and a fifty. Um, so. Okay. So some sometimes it ends up being a twenty eight. I'm not a great fan of the twenty eight, uh, the field no. of view you get from a twenty eight. Although Neither. I will deal with it. I much prefer a, a twenty four, um, mm -hmm. or or possibly even a twenty. I do like a a, a, a properly wide as well, so you know less than twenty yeah. mil. Um, but that, I mean that's that's uh, for uh, you know, establishing shots or for you know close ups where you want to you know, you want to play with but, this perspective of things and stuff. Yeah, but but I, but I think you're you're perfectly right. So my dream combo, if I take two lenses, is basically thirty five and eighty five mil, and if I can take three lenses, it's eighteen mil, thirty five and eighty five mil. So it's ah. basically yeah. So I never because... get on with the thirty five. I can't do that. The actually really? no, that's not quite true. I can shoot with the thirty five, but it's only if I'm shooting for a cinematic aspect ratio. So oh, if I no. want to shoot two three five, right, two three five to one, something or something something beyond a two to one, you know, so, so uh, a very much a, a wide aspect ratio, I will shoot with a thirty five rather than a fifty, mm. and the reasons for that is to do with the way the different focal lengths render the size of objects in the distance right yeah. so so i will try so because the 35 mil of course is something that's in the background will look slightly smaller than the 50 mil and so if i've got a, a super wide aspect ratio and therefore my vertical height by comparison is less and i still yeah. want to fit things in in the background actually i find it more natural for me to shoot with a 35 mil because then i can still include all the things in the background that i want to be part of my shot and get some level of verticality but if i'm shooting oh. like a a three by two or a four by three or or whatever or square then very much it's the sort of 50 mil or, or equivalent depending on the film format or whatever right um, but that, that i yeah. would i would go for yeah, i mean it very much depends on where you go with the lenses i mean 35 and 85 is very much uh like a a city sort of uh equipment uh, if you go for example to really old towns with very small streets i think going wider has advantages because you will never be able to you know capture everything with um like 35 or even 50 or something and the, the the reason why I think I settled with 35 was A, I was able to 
um, get a really, really lovely copy of the Canon FD 35 F2 lens. <laughs> Um, but the other thing is, um, I mentioned earlier that I, I love my uh, Olympus 35RC. It's a little rangefinder camera, and it has this amazing 40 millimeter lens. And 40 mil is such an amazing focal length. Um, it's it's funny. Some say it's like a like a the the sweet focal length because you will get a like an equal. Um, equally sided uh, triangle uh, compared to the film plane. Oh, okay, um, interesting. I have no idea if that has any any. I never uh, heard that before. That is effect okay. effect on on how the uh, images are rendered. I I suppose no. Um, but this <laughs> the thirty five RC the um, uh, the Zurico lens that is on there is absolutely astonishingly amazing. It's it's I I don't know it's. So I'm totally with you on a 40, right? And I'm not a fan of a 35, but something happens between a 35 and a 40 that I really enjoy shooting with a 40. A 40 or a 40, a 45 is even better, but there are very few 45 mil lenses around. Claire, Claire, what, what, what do you, do you have a, a way of thinking in, in preferred focal lengths? Um, well, my favourite is 17, yeah. it's a 17 mil lens. 17, wow, yeah. okay. Wide, I really like that. I like what you like the I like the look I like the why, so if I had a choice and I was only with a thirty five mil I would go with a seventeen and a and a fifty. A seventeen and a probably. fifty. Okay, yeah, yeah, I could, yeah, I could probably. get. I love I love wide angle. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do as well, and I have um I have several lenses that are mm. equivalent to a, a seventeen or or an eighteen. Um, mm. yeah, which I which I do like um and uh that that's interesting so what the i guess when you're shooting polaroid though you you don't have so much choice no. do, you, do you do you ever choose your polaroid camera based upon the focal length um i choose my polaroid camera more more to do with location really more to do with the climate and the light okay. so if i know i'm going to be somewhere where the light is brilliant then i'll go with my sx70 if it's not going to be, if it's like this time of year or something, and or I'm going to be a lot indoors, then I'm not so bothered about bringing my SX70 because it doesn't perform. Basically, if you take an SX70 inside, unless you've got it amazingly lit, everything will fall apart. Is that um, because of the film speeds available for yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so so what's, the just, what's, what's the film the, speed of a typical SX70 film? It's about, I think it's, is it, no, actually, let me have a look. It's quite... Let's see. I think because six hundred is close to six hundred. Let's have a look. Know yeah, because po Polaroid six hundred is is the, there's a link between the number and the film speed. I yeah. Think, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, there is. For some reason, I was going to say. And if you shoot Instax, Instax is about Instax is about mm -hmm. eight hundred. I think. Yeah, is, that's is the speed of Instax. Yeah, so that's that well in 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 inside 160 i was going to say 200 160 160 ah right okay so so your sx70 is not an indoor party camera then in the no. dark and no unless you've got it although I, I think it's beautiful film in the right if you've got everything right all the right conditions it's lovely film so i would select more for that um or the 680 is a good one that was the one that's a great camera and it's fast you see and of course they used it a lot in uh, the police had it it was a police camera. Was it? Popular, well, it was very popular with the police for forensic photography. Yeah. Oh, right. Interesting. Because it was quick. 
fast, reliable, you know. Um, so it was used a lot for crime photography. Yeah, yeah. Um, but talking the other cameras I love, you know, they're fun, is um, I love disposable cameras, especially waterproof ones. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Waterproof is interesting. I always travel with yeah. a waterproof camera. It is a digital one, not a film one, but yeah. I always travel with a waterproof camera. Is that the Mykonos? Is it the Mykonos? Is that what it's called? Is it uh, no, I don't have a, the Nikonos. Mykonos, uh, yes. is that what it's called? Uh, right? No, I don't That's have one, I'd of like um, I, one of those. I only have a digital camera for yeah. waterproof stuff. Um, I'd like but, those. But, but you're right. I mean, especially for stuff in challenging environments, uh, like when you go hiking or in bad weather, uh, I, uh, I used to have a Canon Shawshot um, A1. I don't know. Um, I think it's been marketed in on in the u.s market on a under a different name but um that's an amazing camera it's like a pointed shoot which is waterproof yeah. you can take it for a dive is even. that a big white and yellow one mm, white and yeah red reddish orange oh, i think yeah uh, like, i think like graham's and, got one of those has he <laughs> I, well, it's, it's amazing especially for people wearing glasses because it's had it has an excellent viewfinder mm. and uh, i i really love that camera um, especially because even in harsh sunlight, it has a, a like a protective glass in front of the lens, and you'd expect it, expect it to flare a lot. And and and, but even when you shoot uh, into the sun, it's perfectly fine. There is no no problem with uh, ex, uh, like like uh, extreme reflections or anything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a it's a fun camera to take. And if you only uh, have to, uh, can take one camera. I think there is a. Um, uh, I used to fancy uh, a camera which was only re released in Japan and was released for construction sites. They would use it on construction sites to document stuff, and it was really robust and almost yeah. like an armored cam camera oh, and um, <laughs> water waterproof and so on. I mm. think. Yeah, it really depends. I mean, the choice of film that you mentioned earlier, Claire, is, mm. I think, a very important aspect when traveling because um, if you know what conditions you will find, then it's easier. But if you don't, then the big question yeah. is what do you take uh, yeah. with you? And yeah. um, I was lucky uh, uh, and, uh, when it came to film. I, I, I shot mostly black and white. And um, when I went on holidays, I usually took film that I knew I could develop in Caffinol at this with uh, the same developing times. Mm -hmm. So I could basically use like 400 speed films and 100 uh, ISO films and just chuck in into one uh, developing tank because they would have the same times when being developed in Caffinol yeah. for some strange reason. And that, that actually goes for quite a, a lot of films uh you can mm. and and i think that's that's not that's not usual or, or regularly found with other developers that you can um just develop completely different film stocks in one uh, go because they will all have different times and so i really enjoyed using a, like a three uh when you when i uh, used a 135 film i just used a big patterson tank with three um uh with three reels reels yeah reels. yeah that mm. that's into i i yeah that I, that's so, so you'd be able to take that with you and and 
you know, when you were traveling and, and develop when you were traveling. Uh, no, but it, it, it uh, reduced the amount of time you spend afterwards uh, uh, yeah, developing okay. stuff, which is, I think that's, re- I, I didn't, I never enjoyed developing uh, uh, tons of uh, film that I brought back from holiday. Mm. That's, I think, was a really tedious task and having, you know, a big developing tank um, and doing stuff quickly really helped. So, yeah, yeah, and that's interesting. Yes, I guess that that would be one of the benefits. I guess if you shoot C forty one as well, wouldn't it? Because yeah. you know, any any film that you take in theory is going to look exactly the same you know, uh, because it'll go through the standard C forty one process. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Ah, that's true. In- interesting stuff. Do think, Do you think much about the 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 film, Christian? Yeah, you know, like you know, planning ahead, thinking about what film stocks to take. Uh, I I usually. Um, in in the uh, heydays when I shot, you know, exclusively on film, uh, I I I after leaving the uh, analog photography puberty that we <laughs> talked about on the yeah, digital yeah. film photography podcast, I um usually stuck to uh, two or three black and white film stocks um, because I knew exactly what I got from those films, you know, and um, there used to be uh, um, Silver Max by Adox, mm-hmm. um, which some say w- was the old ACFA APX 100 uh, film. It, uh, it had a really huge amount of silver in it. And it was an amazing film to shoot in very harsh sunlight because it had 15, 15 stops of latitude in the right um, developer. So um, even if you had really harsh shadows and very light areas, there was enough latitude so that you retained a lot of detail. And uh, I love to shoot that film when it was really sunny. It, it tended to be a little bit flat when there was not enough contrast in my eyes, uh, which is okay, which could have could be nice. But then the other film that I shot a lot was... Um, uh, um, uh, Fomapan 400 and mm-hmm. I think I'm not 100% sure but I think that Silvermax 100 and uh, Fomapan uh, 400 had the exact same times in Caffinol. Ah, okay. and that, that was my dream combo because I had a, 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 a slow film for the Adox film for harsh sunlight and uh, a quicker film for you know the other that's interesting i've I've still not reached a stage with film photography where i have just you know two or three real go-to things i like the differences um so so it's uh it's an interesting that you've managed to hone it down through your experience and uh, i'm not entirely sure if that's a feat or that just i'm too stupid to remember how all the films work so i really (laughs) need i my mind needs to know exactly what uh, what I get from a certain film, and I, I've always found that it helped to you know just use a certain film stock, a certain developer, and um, mm. but if if you're a you know like an experimental kind of person, there's nothing wrong with just using any film, using inspired film, soup the film, whatever. But I liked uh, that I got because I I can. I, I, when I used, uh, for example, Silver Max a lot, I could look at a scene and I knew pretty much how it looked, especially when using f- filters. And that's one of the things that I wanted to mention as well. 
One of the things that I never did when even when traveling light was traveling without filters. So I always had a set of uh, red, uh, orange, yellow, green, and sometimes even blue filter with me. Mm-hmm. Because um, uh, you, you, there is so much um, potential in, uh, you know, getting certain um, a certain look from a scene with a filter that that is something that you cannot obviously do in post with a black and white film uh so um there is no you, there is no using filters on the, the uh enlarger when you print it so you have to um you can use it obviously for certain effects but not you know the the crass effect that you will get when using a red filter on a dark blue sky that's something that you have to do in camera and and it took quite a while to understand what what filter works for what scene and i I would highly recommend even if you travel light to uh to bring filters and 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 get used to filters yes yeah that's a that's a good insight i I do like to travel with a, a polarizer certainly um yeah definitely you know the i find especially if it, of course and it's a really obvious thing to say but if you're traveling anywhere near water polarizer comes in very handy indeed. yeah but or, you, you that only works if you use an slr because you will have to look at what you i mean if you use a rangefinder yes you're pretty, good point. <laughs> it's it's not i mean you probably could you know uh hold it in front of the viewfinder and then hold it in front of the lens but uh and 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 uh, also um um there are certain cameras uh you need to make sure if you use a filter that your camera actually meters through the filter and not uh you know yes absolutely you're, you're you're right you are absolutely exposing my bias for slrs there because yes those two things are very the, the metering and the actual impact of it are very definitely true um but, but wanting to use a polarizer is a valid argument for getting an slr so there's nothing wrong with that yeah, fair uh, point. I've always gravitated towards SLR type cameras anyway, so it's yeah. you know uh, I, the, there's something about uh, something about it that makes sense to me. I mean, everybody who's listened to this podcast for any length of time has heard me rant at least one uh, at least once about how I can't get on with TLRs because when I move the camera, the image goes the wrong way, and I just can't get my brain around it. So, uh, but it's yeah, it's uh, but SLRs, yeah, definitely, I I, I love an SLR. Yeah. So, hmm. yeah. so well, then, yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. So we co- covered a lot of ground. What we, I suppose, we haven't talked so much, at least I haven't talked about, about like cameras I like to travel with. So, <laughs> so Christian, you've mentioned your Olympus 35RC. Yes. Would that, would that be one of your favorites to travel with? Yeah. Definitely, it's so has such has, has such a small footprint, and it's discreet. It has high quality lens, and it's fun to use. I, I don't know, but but uh, that could just as well be any other camera. I mean, I think especially when you travel for leisure, why should you take a camera that you don't like to take? Uh, I used to. I I found a, a, a Konica C thirty five AF two on a flea market and it used to be one of my absolute favorites because it has a nice lens it's not perfect at, by any means but um it used to it used to be the uh, the second iteration of the very first commercially available autofocus cameras 
So the Kilconica right. C35AF had a, a really primitive but working autofocus by Honeywell. And the AF2 has basically the same autofocus. Mm -hmm. And by the way, that's one of the examples uh, for a camera that has issues with when using filters. So if you use a red filter, I think the, um, the meter uh, wasn't panchromatic. It basically, <laughs> if you, it, it, it must have used a certain um, uh, color frequency mm -hmm. uh, for, for metering. And uh, using uh, a red filter would always lead to underexposure. The same red filter would work nicely on a 35RC on Olympus. Oh, but... Very interesting. Yeah. So you need to know your stuff, don't you? Yeah, but that's what I uh, that's what I'm trying to say is take the camera that you love to take. And I mean if that means taking 10 cameras, take 10 and live with the pain of hauling them. <laughs> <laughs> you can always put them I in the prop so. case. I think there's I think you'd be limited. For me as well if you're taking like if you got into medium format photography and then you wanted to take a really heavy medium format camera i would just take that and nothing else because that's going to take up all oh, your weight you in know, your in your rucksack you know uh, if in. when i was younger mm -hmm. oh, that sounds wrong uh, i used to shoot with a uh, um, bronica sqa and mm -hmm. i have this humongous backpack where i mm -hmm. would actually carry the sqa body with uh, three lenses and an, a Canon F1 body with f four or five lenses. Mm. And wow. really that was, that was an, a humongous backpack. And if you added a tripod to that, I mean, that was sport. And mm. please, uh, you must not re uh, forget how many of our listeners haul a large format camera to mm. places. Mm. Sometimes a chair, a hat, an Apple and a large mm. format camera, but <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, They're very good. Yes, good, I, I think, good reference there to Jonathan. Yeah, and I think the 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 um, the the we photographers we tend to you know tolerate pain for gain, you know, mm -hmm. because uh, it pays to sometimes um, you know haul a, lot, a huge amount of gear, but. Um, yeah, but I think still the, the fine line is being stupid, hauling too much, and being reasonable uh, is, yeah, it's a fine yeah. line. Because really, the reality is, if we were given, even if I planned, if I was going on one of my trips and I knew that I'd planned everything, and yet someone else was in control of a camera and said, oh, we're just going to give you this 35 mil camera, and it's I was given the lens... The reality is you would you just you'd be able to adapt and take pictures to whatever you were given, wouldn't you? Because you'd have no choice. You're you know, if you're like you say, the less you take, you don't have to muddle your brain. And I, I agree. Take, I you still totally adapt with you. to what you've got to make your images. Yeah. But yeah. I think especially when traveling for leisure, knowing the camera is very important mm. because uh that will reduce the amount of stuff, uh, the, the amount of time you need to think about using the camera yeah. instead of, yeah. you know, because for example, you know your Polaroid cameras so well, I mm. think you, you don't think a lot about using them. And yeah. I used to, I never, 
uh, I, I, I had a lot of cameras before I sold lots of my gear, but I quickly found that, um, for example, the Canon F1s really worked for me. Mm -hmm. So I, when using them almost exclusively, I realized that they've become like another body part, so yeah. to speak. So, yeah. so I knew I never had to remove them from my eye for changing, you know, the exposure and, and I, I knew where everything was. It's not a complicated camera. And uh, that helped me to concentrate on the subject mm -hmm. instead of on the camera. And I think that is something, if especially if you travel to places uh, that you only have a chance to travel to once, I would highly recommend not bringing a camera that you don't know whether or not you get along with, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good, good tips there. I have to say, I, I do, I, I agree, but I think the way I agree has a different manifestation because so to the camera, the, the film camera that I most love to travel with is the Holger, mm. right? Um, yeah for because because i do love to travel i i find that so so completely get the point of view but i also find that if i'm traveling and hauling around too much kit i get too tired and i can't be bothered and i miss out on the photos because i'm just simply too tired i don't have the energy to follow up on something i see or i just don't see stuff and i end up sort of trudging around tired wondering why i brought so much stuff out with me that i'm not actually using so my I've learned this is over time. You know, I have definitely done all of those things I've just described. Right? <laughs> uh, but I've learned that for me, um, traveling with a lighter weight is important um, yeah. because I, I, I make yeah. more photos and take better and make better photos. Yeah. Right. That that way. Yeah. So I, I like the simplicity of a Holger um, because uh, I don't have to worry about whether the images are going to be sharp or not. I don't even really need to worry about whether I have the aperture on the cloudy setting or the sunny setting. <laughs> I just need yeah. to look at the sky in the morning and go, yeah, it's a 400 speed day today. Or no, I'm mm -hmm. going to have to yeah. push this one a stop or two. Or no, actually, do you know what? I'm going to put some ectar in because it's a brilliantly sunny day and I'm going somewhere colourful and I think ectar will be fine. Uh, I'm looking, I can just see, you know, uh, off, off the side of the camera view here from talking to you two, there's a picture on the wall over there that is taken with the Holger. Um, I believe it's on Ektar film. It's certainly very colourful. And it was taken on a beach in Croatia. Mm. And uh, and I love that photo. I love it for all the things it represents that I've just said, like the fact that it's a Holger, the fact that it's, you know, it's so colourful. And I, and I like the photo itself as well. So... So I definitely have some, yeah, I definitely have that as, as my favourite, you know, travel camera. Mm -hmm. And I think also these days now, and we've talked a bit about style recently, uh, and now I'm finally, after 15 years of mucking about, finally starting to get a handle on what my style might be, or at least one expression of my, my photographic style. I find that, that you know, I, I'm drawn back to, uh the the holgers i haven't really used them for travel much since i sit in in the last year we haven't been to mm. that many places that i would then go back to and say oh do you know what actually i'm going to go for the holger because i know now what my style is because I, I so so but they are the ones i'm drawn back to but you know from mm -hmm. your point of view where i didn't know what that looked like and and why am i you know puzzling why am i drawn back to these images and i think i now understand a little bit more yeah, and, and, and despite the fact that Graham has written you out of his will now because you used a Holger. 
Do you know what? I gave him a Holger and uh, when Holger first went bankrupt and I was one of those moments where I thought I've always wanted to try a Holger and I've never and, and never done it and now it's too late. So I, I, I found somewhere that had some left and I bought three <laughs> of them and I gave one to Graham and I kept two for myself uh, and he's never been grateful. <laughs> yeah. Can you have them anymore at all? Uh, yeah, you, I think you can. You can yeah, they them. came back to life a year or so later. Yeah. Somebody I've, bailed them out. But. I've, I've, I've also, ha I also have one, and it's. I mean, it's just a, gl a glorified box camera, basically. And I think there are nicer box camera, in. But that's just a matter of taste, isn't it? I completely oh, yeah, understand yeah, yeah. why you like the why you like the Hoga, and it's lightweight. It's dead easy to use. And uh, I agree with you. I think uh, recently the, my 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 favorite way of traveling is taking very little kit but good kit, and that that also goes for the bag. I've I've got the very small uh, Billingham bag, mm. and that sounds yeah, that sounds nice but expensive. <laughs> it is expensive, mm. but uh, actually it it really works well for me, mm -hmm. and it was an investment that. I only made because I knew that would be exactly a bag that I will be using a lot and I, I, I use it a lot and it, it fits like a, a body with, uh, with an attached lens and, and uh, an, uh, an additional lens or maybe two additional lenses and it's so lightweight that I can carry it across you know, one shoulder mm -hmm. and uh, um it even fits into and uh i i um i i love to go um you know biking i have a gravel bike and um i can attach a, a bag to it and the billingham fits exactly into that bag so i can basically you know go places on my bike and then, cool. uh, and and yeah and 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 not having uh you know not being um killed by choice and or being made uh of I, I used to go to, on holidays where I had so many cameras that I couldn't bother going out because I, I didn't want to decide what camera to take in the first place. And that's something that really should be avoided. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. traveling light with it. The, the recent holiday uh, that we talked about last, uh, uh, last uh, episode, I just took one little camera and that's it. Mm -hmm. And it was such a joy to use. Mm hmm interesting so lots of different things then lots of different ways to travel <laughs> for photography yeah, i definitely. tell you what I, I we talked a little bit as well just about uh about the difference between a trip that is for for photographic purposes as a mm -hmm. priority and others um i i don't get to do much of the trips that are just for photography so i i, mm. I look forward to uh to doing some more of those i, I have to say my, my my choices are very often compromised by you know the fact that it's a family yeah. trip or, or whatever yeah. and things like that but. But, but but funny enough as long as the children are small it's more of a, of a photography trip because you will have to wait for them all the time when going on hikes and yeah. you have plenty of time to look around and shoot uh, interesting stuff so <laughs> i can just, just picture you now halfway up a mountain turning around to your children going come on keep up <laughs> no no uh take your time i need to take this photo and i think there will be the time when they grow up and the oh daddy stop standing around just move and yeah yeah, yeah i think yeah, i was if i was going on another like not a folk not a big 
trip where I was doing my photos, more like when I just went for the week, a few days in Paris, I'd either probably either not take a camera or I'd probably take a point, like to take a point and shoot camera. I'd yeah. really like one of those Yashika T4s, something like that. Yeah. To go about with. I used to have one. Yeah. Uh, it was an amazing camera and until the wrist strap detached mm -hmm. and it cracked mm -hmm. and it was broken. I got mm -hmm. it for 10 euros mm -hmm. on a fleet. You won't get that for it now. <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. It's a good camera, yeah. Uh, mm. oh, well, right, okay. So uh, hopefully all of our listeners are going to have good travel fun this summer or, or winter if you're in the southern hemisphere i suppose um mm. and uh yeah enjoy traveling with their cameras do get in touch with us and let us know especially on the discord always happy to have chats been loving you know the chats as always on our discord um that we've the, especially the uh the great appearances of apples chairs and hats all in the same photo amazing uh, yeah that was that was great that people re responded to that in such a cool way has it, anybody got any um any news bits or or uh, announcements or anything like that oh, to share yeah, before uh, we go uh supposedly fuji is bringing a new 200 iso uh film Mm -hmm. which people say oh. is probably Kodak Gold relabeled. <laughs> but um, it's interesting because uh, last week we announced, uh, we, we didn't announce, we just uh, said that uh, lots of photograph uh, photography news outlets said they were discontinuing the uh, 135 and 120 films. And now the news has said there is a new one. But yeah, I'm very skeptical. I don't think they produce it themselves so they like we'll... to keep us guessing at fuji don't they yeah interesting don't know what it's going to bring in the future yes well we'll have to wait and see wait and see and uh okay well that's probably then is the end of this week's show isn't it mm. oh it'll be london photo photo soon won't it because we're already in april so that's imminent as well. Oh, uh, yeah. London I, you know what? photo. I think it's the weekend of the 12th of May. I'm, it might be something. Like, I think it's something. Like, I've already had a few emails about yeah. that because I'm on the mailing list for that as well. Mm. I, haven't, I haven't arranged to go to anything yet because yeah, mm. other stuff going on. But yeah, that could be good fun. Uh, definitely. Um, and as you say, Claire, you know, there's always good shows on around the place. Um I mean, especially in London, because it's it's. Uh, there's <laughs> but but there's always good shows around in 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 other places as well. If you if you look for them, always good exhibitions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I'm looking and, forward uh, to the reopening of the National Portrait Gallery actually in in London. Yeah, where is that opening? I had a look online today to see if well, what was on, but it's still well, shut. You know, you tested me there. <laughs> I got another email from them to the uh, yeah this week earlier now or like late last week. I think it's next month, but I'm not sure. Oh really? Been, I think it's May. It's either May or June. I think that they're reopening. Mm. Mm. so looking forward to that i saw i, I went saw I, I think it was a david bailey show there uh like I a, saw ret that. a yeah. retrospective david mm -hmm. bailey retrospective like from the 60s through to the present day which was just yeah. awesome that was about five that. years or so ago was it mm. start like was it david bailey star or something i got something. a tote bag <laughs> something like and postcards yeah no I, I saw that one it was really good and then i saw i've seen quite a few things there yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, and shout out to our friends from I Dream of Cameras. Uh, I watched their um, 50th... Um, oh, that I was did. good fun, wasn't it? Yeah. I did, yeah. It was fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, those guys uh, still need help. They, mm. they both have a camera purchasing problem. 
Definitely. <laughs> I um I like I agree with um Gabe on um because I love Diane Arbus as well. Oh yeah, I ordered Big a Diane book. Arbus fan, yeah. Yeah, I ordered a book right um, after the episode because I was like, mm, yeah, I yeah, always wanted I love, to do that. I love Diane Arbus because I, I was saying, didn't I? I saw a I saw a Diane Arbus exhibition in in on the South Bank in London mm-hmm. a few years ago, and it was really good. But what struck me because I love her her choice or who she chose to photograph. But one of my favourite pictures of her, apart from the all the characters, was actually a nineteen fifties living room because oh, it was just this living room. Yeah, because I, I, it was just it just had a, just a look and a feel and the tinsel of the day and everything. But her work is exceptional and. You can see it in but, Stanley Kubrick films. He was clearly influenced by that. I think they knew each other, actually, but I think that he was clearly a fan of Diane Arbus because that shows in his films. Yeah, she's being great. Able, being able to shoot stuff like that, that, that looks mundane at first mm. sight, but will be interesting like yeah. a decade later. Totally. That's a, that's a talent that not many yeah. Mm. And, uh, I ordered uh, another book, which I also recommend. There is um, a German photographer. Uh, he's he's um, he shot in at the end of the nineteenth um, uh, century, the beginning of the twenties, and uh, he is called August Sander. Mm-hmm. And there is um, an it's not very new book, but it's um, a book about uh, people from the 20th century, it's called. Oh, yeah. Uh, German, uh, um, the German title is uh, mentioned this 20th Jahrhundert. And it has a collection of photos from the early 20th century. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the most famous um, images that p- people probably have heard of, and there is a very good YouTube documentary about um um, that image is the three uh, farmers, the three young farmers on their way to a party. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know it. Yep. And uh, um, yeah, he has fascinating um, portraits and documentary mm. photography about that time. Uh, uh, and yeah, it's fascinating. And it's, it's very hard to get a cheap or a reasonably priced copy of that uh, collection because, yeah. uh, I mean, it's it's well over 100 euros but i was able to found a, a um a slightly bettered version and yeah cool mm-hmm. i love good i love a good book i've been sorting through some of my photography books this last weekend and managed to get them you know organized a bit more they they were all over the place and i managed to clear out some shelf space and create a little space just for my photography books which i'm very happy yeah. about that because it's in my st- all my photography books now I, I, well, not quite all of them but almost all of them are now in my study by my sofa where i can just sit i can pick one off the shelf and just sit down with a cup of coffee or something like that and, and it's amazing and, isn't it and it gives you so much joy it does joy is absolutely the word for it definitely love my photo books cool all right everybody well there we go then uh we have been the sunny 16 podcast uh we will not be back next week uh because we are all busy and we are taking a break week uh so uh we're going to do that and then but we will come back um uh, and i think we teased this last week didn't we do we do we just tease it or do we fully yeah, announce we, it christian we uh i think we teased uh we teased it teased but we it were wrong <laughs> but still it was still a teaser even though we thought it would be earlier but 
What do we know? Did we get it wrong, did we, last week? Uh, yeah, surely, but that's <laughs> Well, we like so to keep is, people there guessing. there's good stuff coming up, at least. <laughs> so as far as, yeah, so as far as I'm aware, right, we're having a break week next week. So sorry about that, folks, but we just can't pull it together next week. Uh, and then the week after that, we will be back with more delightful photography, chatter and nattering and indulgence. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Cool. All right. Well, take care, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's always an honor to be able to speak to you all. Uh, we'll be back. Ne- ne- no, back the week after next. <laughs> take care. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.